He didn't say Simon Says, did he? Podcast. I'm your host, Dyke Michaels. With me is my co-host, Thaddeus J. McKee. It's trying to stay blessed. On the ones and twos, the last white dragon and the 2021 meat cake champion, Sauce Lord Zach. Hey there. And very special guest with us in studio, comedian and president CEO of uh, Bottoms Up Draft Brewing Systems. Did I mess that up? Oh, I messed it up so bad. Okay. Bottoms of draft beer dispensers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pre- Pre- CEO. CEO. CEO, not president? Inventor and CEO. In, oh, inventor and yeah. CEO. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the program. You may be the first inventor that we have inventor had. that we've had on the show. Nice. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, when you're cooking and you're making sauces, wouldn't you consider yourself as a sauce boss yeah, techni- inventor? Yeah, technically you're an inventor. I don't know. I, I feel like if it's a process that you're putting together... Like that—that's kind of inventing. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's what I normally like to do. I like to downplay the guests. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, no, yeah. no, no. Is it TikTok? Yeah. Is it a team? I mean, <laughs> which, which you, we've all done what you've done. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah, saying yeah, coming up with sauces so. isn't inventing. Like, like, like I'm taking different like recipes yeah. or whatever. But like he, he like, made a mustard. You invented a, a million whole dollar company. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, it's the same yeah, thing. Multi. Well, it's very 47 countries we trade in. So the next level inventing, yes. Yeah, I just my brains. I can't recognize money after a million. It might as <laughs> you might as well you might as well be a, a trillionaire. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Someday, it was like when they gave me my student loans. They were like, "It's going to be ninety thousand dollars." I was like, "Make double it. I don't care." <laughs> You're right. At a certain point, it's... I'm never paying this back. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. That food was awesome. Uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. we did. Um, you know. I like to say that uh, New Orleans is my favorite is my favorite city. Have you been? Uh, yeah, spent a lot of time down there. Um, so that's it's always seems to be my. I like how it smells like you're walking through uh, like Bourbon Street and it smells like delicious food, and mm. then five steps forward it smells like shit and vomit. Oh, yeah. and then another five steps forward it smells like delicious food again. It's yeah, like yeah. a real experience. It's like beignets, ooh, yeah. urine, uh, <laughs> more beignets, some crawfish. Yeah, more urine. <laughs> And then I like the fact that you're, I like a town that you can get drunk and just buy crawfish on the, on the street yeah. and then just be walking down the street with like a drunk, like eating a bucket of crawfish and no one's like, that's weird. It, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been to that? I've, we were, we were planning on going, we were, we we're getting a big group of people. Oh yeah. Uh, you were involved in that, but we never went. We have a lot of uh, vacations we almost went on. <laughs> that is true. New York. Yeah, that would have been so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> At least you're still reminiscing about it. At least it, you got it? a joke out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's that's pretty much my life. It is it's tragic. Happened. My leg <laughs> fell off, but I got a good type five. <laughs> I was gonna say, you think you'd have more jokes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sad but true. Uh, also, comedian. I don't know if I said that. <laughs> no one else ever has. Um, <laughs> uh, but you perform uh, regularly. You can see him at Crackers Comedy Club. Yeah, Crackers is my home club. I travel all over the Midwest doing uh, you know bar gigs, feature spots. No, I'm not a headliner, just a feature. I want to be a really good feature before I ever even think about headlining. Sure. Yeah. And how, how long have you been doing stand-up? Three and a half years. Uh, I got into it. A girl I used to date, she was on a morning show here in Indy, and we got asked to do a celebrity stand-up event, and I uh, Scott Long puts it on. And I did exceptionally well, like really well. The place was packed. It was a blast. And I'm like, I can do this. And then I went back to the next open mic and ate probably the biggest dick you could ever eat. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I love this. <laughs> you know, it's something about solving the problem of making people laugh. And the instant honest feedback, like you can't get that shit anywhere else. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know immediately whether or not you're doing good or bad. It's nobody's like, yeah, that, like you're making food and people are gonna be like, yeah, it was, it was good. But like, like, I'm not ever going to eat that again. Right. You can't do that on stage. No, it's pretty it's pretty brutal and pretty uh, instant. Uh, I, I, we were talking off air uh, before you guys showed up. I saw him. Uh, we went to Columbus for an open mic, and I was like, I've been pretty much only doing club mics, which both of our club mics here are really good. Mm-hmm. And just to go and do like a dive bar open mic, cold, and and there was some really good comics that were on it, and it was brutal. It was so brutal. I forgot what it was like to just. And it was like a place where they like had a nice stage, but apparently they they'd had some trouble. So they the week before were like, "Hey, why don't you guys just move into this back room?" So it was just like there were just basically like two wobbly crates that you were standing on, <laughs> like in a back room that was not set up for watching comedy. It was like a long bench that no, like that you couldn't get in like really easily to sit on. Right, and then so most of the people there was like, basically half of it was obstructed view. So, like, even the people trying to watch it are, like, li- li- literally leaning in. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then some people are standing, sitting behind a partition, so there's people heckling you, and you can't even see who they are. They're <laughs> yeah. behind a wall. The master. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was rough. I love that shit. So, but, um, it obviously kept coming back. Yeah, yeah, I got after it. I mean, it just, I don't know. I, it's something I, I love, and it's... Uh, it's such a nice outlet from work. Like I put in, I don't know, 10, 12 hour days pretty regularly at work. So it's nice to have something that I can go do that isn't, well, it's not not work. I work at it like it's work, but you get what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's very different than what I do daily, but For you still apply the same principles to build it. You know what I mean? And then what, so explain, explain your company. Okay. So I, your invention. I invented a beer dispenser that fills a glass of beer through the bottom of the glass and how it works is the glass has a, it's glass, plastic, whatever it is. We make all different vessel shapes and types. Um, but let's say we're talking about a glass. It has a magnetic grade of stainless steel ring in the bottom. Um, and then a magnet that sticks to that metal ring. And when you put it on the dispenser, it lifts the magnet away from the ring beer goes into the glass and then when the beer is full it stops automatically by itself via its little computer brain and uh it'll sit there and wait for you and then when you're ready to grab it you come back over pick it up and the magnet sticks back to the metal ring and seals the glass 
and away you go with your beer. It's less waste. The biggest benefit is that, well, you've used one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest benefit is that it's hands-free. Yeah. So you can set the beer down. It fills itself up while you're free to make drinks, run a food ticket, check an ID, run a credit card. Also, every time I've used it too, it's there's none of the every other time I've used any kind of draft system, there's a, a, just a excess of foam and they're never yeah, cal- calibrated right. Yeah. And so you're just like a lot of times you're filling up pitcher mm-hmm. a pitcher, just trying to get ahead of the game. Whereas this one just always like the perfect amount, mm-hmm. perfect amount ahead. It just pours the yeah, the exact right amount. Yeah, Google it. Uh, bottoms of beer dispenser. It's it's one of the cool. It's it's one of the coolest things ever. Right, it looks. It just looks cool as shit, too. You know. Yeah, it is cool because, like, I remember the first time I saw it. Like, I didn't. I didn't know you, mm-hmm. but like, they were like, "Hey, let's go to this restaurant. Um, it fills up from the bottom." And they're like, "What? Yeah, it fills up from the bottom." And like, so when you first hear it, it fills from the bottom of the glass. I'm like, that can't be right. Like, I don't understand <laughs> yeah. what you're saying to me. And then you go and see it. You're like, "Ah, oh, cool." And like, there's a, like one that's downtown that's like self served. Like, you like push a button, and then like it fills up. But anyways, it's a, it's a, it's a really good. Like you have it in a lot of stores. You're looking kind of. No, I can't think. Of, I know we have we have locations like that, just not one in Indy. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it was maybe three years ago. I don't know. <laughs> I think the first. Are you sure you just weren't at <laughs> my place? Uh, is it downtown? <laughs> yeah, my place is downtown. Maybe it was at your place. <laughs> I think the first time I saw one was at a concert or some sort of like event. And I was like, "That's a smart. Yeah, that's a smart thing." Yeah. But how did? So how did you get? I'm always curious because there's a little piece of metal inside each cup. Yeah. With with a magnet. Yeah. And then but you also put like promotional stuff in there so it kind of becomes like a keepsake sometimes, right? Yeah, so then that's what's cool about the magnet and it's honestly it's it's being utilized more and more as more people really wrap their head around it. There's a lot to get your head around. It's very different than pouring beer from a tap, right? As far as the stuff needed to understand. But the magnet is indeed a magnet and you can put like promotional stuff on it and uh my favorite thing to do with it is put games on it like we have bar like we have a bar in Nashville Tennessee called Party Foul they've got three or four locations and they do a spell a word win a prize right mm-hmm. so you they got this a whole alphabet and it's in their 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 font for their logo and the last time i was there there were three separate groups at the bar groups of people yeah trying to get enough letters to spell the word to win the prize for the month Mm. And I'm like, that's fucking badass. And then even if they don't, they're going to take them home, put them on their fridge, and then you're advertising on the fridge, which is where you want to be advertising if you own a restaurant. Yeah. That's so dope. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So how did, okay, like, like, let's talk shop here. Yeah. Because, like, I would think if I'm, like, you know, a layman and I'm looking at this, I think, man, it seems really expensive to put a magnet inside each cup of disposable beer. So how do you how do we do that? How do we how do we put a magnet in there without giving away any trade secrets? No, there's no there's no secrets to, to give away. Uh, it's all a lot of it's all protected and stuff. Um, well, how we got so how we got there, and there's a, this is a whole other story. Is that I was looking at a five year prison sentence, and uh, I was uh, I am a convicted felon. Yay me! Um, so I was looking at the five year prison sentence, and I was constantly being harassed by the feds. Like we know you know more. Like on and on, and it was very stressful. I don't know if you had the feds calling you every not, other day, I have um, demanding that you give them more information when you don't have any more information to give them. Uh, like we're gonna come cut up your floorboards. We're gonna like we're gonna fuck your life up, and they can because mm-hmm. they're the feds, mm-hmm. right? So um, I was very stressed out about this, and I call them federalities, but the federalities, yeah. And I, um, it, it was all consuming, right? Like just I was ghost whiter than I am. 
you know, goes, you just, it was awful. And so I am at my dad's birthday party and I see a pitcher of beer filling up through the bottom in a daydream. And I stop every conversation at the table and I'm like, Hey, Hey, you guys want to be cool? A pitcher of beer that fills up through the bottom. And everybody at the table is like, you know, sit down and have another margarita. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. And what drugs were you on at this point? I was not on drugs. I was, I was two margaritas in. And, uh, so I got a little, little buzz going. Um, and my dad understood what I was saying upon describing it. He's the first person to, and only person to since, but, um, he said, yeah, that'd be cool. But if it could be done, somebody would have already done it. Mm. And I heard you can't do it. And I was like, fuck you, dad. You know, like, so, uh, that combined with the stress, I just needed something else to focus my how, energy on. How old are you at this point? 26, I think okay. 25, 26. And, um, so I, it gave me something to focus all that negative energy on. And I just started working at solving this problem nobody knew they had, right? And I figured it out. So the day two, I called my dad up and I was like, hey, I figured out the name, uh, Bottoms Up Beer Dispensers. And he's like, that is a great name, but have you figured out how to do it? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I got and the t-shirt made, though. <laughs> I got the t-shirt made. And then on day four, I gave him a call and I'm like, I, 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 fuck, I figured it out. Like, come check this shit out. So the first original prototype, which you can uh, YouTube that and see it, but um, it's just a pitcher that I got from a local bar uh, mounted to a TV tray with it, the things made of like car parts and mm-hmm. um, all kinds of just random shit that I had laying around my, my garage uh, all cobbled together to make this first dispenser. And it worked awesome. It worked awesome. And then we just kept going from there. So we used that. Uh, we used that prototype to raise a little bit of money from. So everybody, like when you're getting started with a company, you don't know where to go what to do. You don't have, nobody has any answers because everybody's story is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but we started raising money from the three F's, which is friends, family, and fools, right? So we got that first little bit, built the next phase of prototype, raised a little bit more money. Um, and just down the road we went. So, yeah. What was your first big break as far as like getting in? Oh, like, that's a great like question. This is a- so um, we had made it to the point where we were doing commercial trials at Anaheim Angels, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, UNLV in Las Vegas, and uh, we even did uh, Fenway Park in Boston. So we were all over the place just trying to get people to try it and use mm-hmm. it. And then I think at the time there were only 10. There were 10 dispensers uh, in existence, right? Um, so all the cups were being made by hand in a garage, like pretty legit. And um all of the trials were amazing like sales at the stands were up anywhere from 30 percent to double um no wasted beer like the trials were going amazingly well and me and the other guy i was working with it was his job to sell the stuff and it was my job to make sure it worked that was the division of labor Mm. and um I see this going horribly around. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's trying to sell it on the phone because we didn't want to send out a video because we were worried that a video would, of it would go viral and then we would overwhelm ourselves. We wouldn't mm. be able to get... Anyway, as, this, this could be too awesome. Yeah. Well, that eventually did happen. Um, and it was too awesome. But anyway, so we are... Um, it's his, he's on the phone trying to sell it on the phone. Explain it to people. He's like, people don't understand what I'm saying to him trying to sell this thing like it. They're hanging up on me, like, and in hindsight. So, anyways, um, he's like, "I tell you what, excuse me." He's like, "We need to build a demo unit and drive down the West Coast and just stop off at these places and show people." And I'm like, "This is rarely my mo," but I was like, "We don't have enough money to do that." I think we had like five thousand dollars in the bank. Uh, If we do that, we won't have enough money to make it home. No, 
we're not going to do this. And he said, uh, I tell you what, you help me sell for two weeks. We'll reconvene and we'll go from there. And I'm like, great idea. I think I made it two days and I was on the phone with uh, the F&B director at the new Meadowlands Stadium and he called me a liar and hung up the phone on me. <laughs> and um, I went over to Mike's office in the uh, barn we were working out of and I'm like, so what, what we should do is we should we should build a demo unit <laughs> <laughs> and we should drive down the West Coast and we should show these people yeah. the dispenser. Um, and it worked great. We started, oh, this is a fun side story. So we played jokes on each other. It was about four people working for us or working with us at the time. And we'd like hide pornography in things. Mm-hmm. And we showed up at our first meeting at the uh, Portland's uh, minor league ball club at the time. What? And we go in and uh, Mike, the guy, <laughs> He oh he goes to open his notebook and opens opens it to a big fat dick pic. Oh. <laughs> it was hilarious. Anyway, what? he frantically switched to a new page of paper for the meeting, but it was very funny. As he's trying to make a pitch. Yeah. <laughs> As he's trying to make a pitch. Oh my god. And so, so psychologically <laughs> you're saying don't take this too seriously. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, so we just we went down the West Coast stopping off in places trying to sell the dispenser. And um we had uh, we we had been doing great at UNLV, and that's where we were doing the best. And one of the bartenders there told the food and beverage director at the MGM Grand about it. He had us come over, and just through pure happenstance, the uh, director of all sales for Anheuser Busch um, was in the building that day. Wow! And had heard about it. Wow! And wanted to come see it. Yeah. So he came to see the. You know, we were doing a demo for the food and beverage director of the MGM Grand. He came and saw it too. Um, gave us every, uh, hit us with every objection you could possibly hit us with. But we'd been selling it on the road for weeks, so we were ready for all that. So by the end of it, um, he gave us tickets to the concert that we were out in front of selling beer, and. Um, he sent a video to Anheuser Busch corporate. We get a call from Anheuser Busch corporate the next day saying, "Hey, we you know we don't we don't really buy draft beer dispensers, but we'd like to know what our beer is being dispensed through. A couple months, why don't you guys come out and you know check it out and uh, or let us check it out?" And we uh, we get a call the next day, and they're like, "You know, I know we said a couple months, but can you come out in a week? Can mm. you come out in a week and do a demo?" Yeah. So we literally took the dispenser. This oh at this time I'm also living in a Hooters living in the Hooters Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, which is a whole other side story about oh. how we ended up there. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so that was I mean you asked me about a big break. This is just one. There's a bunch. There was a shitload of breaks that we got, um, all due to the hard work we put in. But <clears throat> anyway, so uh, next thing you know, we're giving a pitch at Anheuser Busch. Um, fun side story there is that we're in the hotel room getting ready, and Mike is like, I'm going to go make copies of the presentation. He gets to the FedEx Kinko's to make copies of the presentation and the power goes out. Okay. So he calls me, he's like, dude, the power's out. And I'm like, oh fuck, like what if we gotta, we gotta pitch this thing in 40 minutes at Anheuser-Busch. So the power finally comes on, he gets the shit printed, comes back, we go to the parking garage. This motherfucker was in such a frantic panic when he came back from the FedEx Kinko's. He, we now can't find the car in the parking mm. garage. So we're running around the parking garage on the different levels, like hitting the button, <laughs> trying to find it. This is a movie right <laughs> yeah. now. And then we go, um, we finally find the car, we get in the car, we go to go out, and he's also lost the ticket to get out of the garage, right? And so he hits the call button, 
and this lady has on the other line has a uh, such a thick accent that we cannot understand a word she's saying over the crackly speaker. Mm-hmm. So he starts. They're now yelling at each other. He sits back and finally that we see that it takes cash, and I just happen to have a twenty dollar bill on me. So we get out. I was ready to drive through the the gate to get there. We get to Anheuser Busch, and this. I at the time I had no idea who was in the room. In hindsight. I bet that meeting cost him $100,000 because of all the executives that had flown in to be there for it. Mm. And we are 30 minutes late, according to them. Uh, 30 minutes. They're, they're pissed. They're not happy. What we didn't know is that they had scheduled 40 minutes for us to set up the demo in the first place. We had our, because we've been doing all these demos and just the shit works good, we had the demo set up in eight minutes and we're rocking. So by the time we were set up, we were ahead of schedule presentation went great and then that's when we excuse me locked down our first uh, deal with anheuser-busch which was awesome so we signed so an they, exclusivity they, deal they, they were in the business of well so how so that was probably like also i want to go back that was probably like shocking all for them like oh like now they're gonna we're gonna sit here forever yeah and that's a problem like yeah this probably takes forever to set up and then you wow them by being late and, and then setting, setting up. up quicker, like, oh, this sets up pretty quick. Well, and also, once we explained what happened, they were like, they thought it was funny. Because they yeah. thought maybe we'd gone out drinking the night before and we were just showing oh, okay. up late, you know. But not the case. So they were all understanding, which at the end. They were eventually. They wouldn't have been had the demo not gone well, wow. I don't think, right? Um, so we signed an exclusivity deal with them. And so they're not in the beer. There's actually a bunch of laws in place that prevent them from doing what they did. But because our technology didn't exist nothing really necessarily applied to it, if that mm. makes sense. Like, it's not legal for them to subsidize the cost of anything. They can't. They're not le- legally allowed to subsidize the cost of a cup or a whatever. But because they could buy advertising space from whoever they want, so they just made advertising buys from us of the magnet in the bottom of the cup, and then we could sell the cup at whatever price we wanted. So they would buy lots and lots of advertising from us, and then the Anheuser-Busch cups just happened to be cheaper. Mm. So you could buy those. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, it had its nice. it had a lot of benefits on the front end, but then we eventually outgrew it, and now we don't we would never mess with an exclusivity deal like that again because it was too prohibitive. You gotcha. know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Wow, that's amazing. Um. <laughs> so where where where's the company at now? As far as like you said, you're in forty some states. Forty some. Uh, I don't know how many states. I think. Or markets? What do you say? I'm sorry. Countries. Countries. Um, where planets. We, 47 planets. planets. Uh, nice. Where we are now, uh, well, we just made it out of uh, the COVID stuff, right? And hopefully that's, we stay out of it. Yeah. That would be nice, I think, for all of us and what we all do for a living. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that know? probably kicked your... Except for maybe the sauce guy probably did halfway decent during COVID. He laughed through the entire face of COVID. Laughed through all of it. Nice. It was the best, best year of my life. <laughs> uh, it almost put me out of business, uh, but we learned a lot from it and got better for it. Um, so now um, it's just slow and steady. I don't want to, I don't know, you know, just jinx anything. slow and steady. I don't want to jinx anything. It's good. We're having, last month was one of the best months we've ever had in the history of the company. Awesome. Here's a question that I've been very dying to ask. It's a very popular system, and I, I've seen it everywhere. Have you been watching a TV show or movie and seen the system that you were like, holy shit? No, I have not seen it in a movie yet. We were in, we've been, we've been in a couple movies on purpose, and I don't remember the name of the last one we were in. It was uh, some sci-fi 
thriller movie. God damn it. Ghost in the Shell. We were in Ghost in the Shell, and we got the footage got cut. Oh. Uh, yeah. So. Was it because Carla Johansson was pretending to be a nation lady? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there was a bar scene, and it yeah. was supposed to be filling up behind a conversation. Yeah. Well, and, like, and it looks futuristic, yeah, right? Because it, it fills from the bottom. Like, yeah. that they must be in yeah. the future. But in a lot of TV shows. I like that idea of pitching it to sci-fi first. So it's like that futuristic, and it's like a, almost like a self uh, prophecy. Yeah, get the, the early adopters yeah, on and yeah. the innovators. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, I mean that that should be a whole like marketing team. It's like we just do pitch to future movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> future yeah. movies. So futuristic bars. Yeah, Star futuristic bars. bars. It's like, hey, I thought by 2021 they'd have cups that would fill up for the bottom, like that one movie. Yeah. Oh, so oh, guess what they do? What's really funny is uh, so. Uh, you guys have all seen Demolition Man, right? Oh yeah. And Taco Bell is the restaurant of the future. Yeah. But they're doing these. They're doing these Taco Bell cantinas, and our beer dispensers are standard equipment. If you're going to open a cantina, you have to put a bottoms of beer dispenser in. So I thought that was kind of neat. How nice. Demolition Man's based in the future, and now here we are. They're now, serving booze, and now all restaurants are bottoms up. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Shit, yeah. What's your oh, boggle, citizen? No, it's funny. Zach was. I wonder like, if anybody sat on one yet. <laughs> I, I haven't. Be like, uh, be like a, a nice bidet kind of situation there. Like, there's got to be. There's got. That's what she could have branched off in the pandemic because yeah. yeah. that became kind of hot for a second. The, the, the butt check model. <laughs> um, we do make a beer bong attachment. What were some invention? What were some inventions that you tried that did not work? Oh, that's uh, that's great. So. Uh, I had an idea and actually started down the path of making something called slip tape, which is the opposite of grip tape. So it's a UHMW film you put on the underside of the skateboard so you don't have to wax it and then it can slide on all kinds of surfaces. Uh. Yeah, and the idea was that we would print a graphic so you could change the graphic on your skateboard anytime you wanted as well. So that didn't work out because it didn't. I don't know. I've had, I've had a t-shirt company. Yeah, um, I have, I invent a lot of stuff. Like, I didn't realize. Um, Were you so, like the kid out there that was like tinkering with the lawnmower? At yeah, like fourteen. My dad would ground me from the garage as punishment. Like that was the worst punishment oh, I could ever okay. get. I get grounded from the garage. Um, but Ooh. I so when I had the idea for bottoms up, it was one thing to invent a vessel with a hole in it, but now we needed to stop and start the flow of beer, and beer is an interesting uh, liquid in that it has. CO2 inherent in the liquid, not, a, not, no other valves. There's nothing, there's no valve to start and stop at the f- point of dispense. So what happens is, is if you leave any liquid on the other side of the opening, mm-hmm. it becomes stale and gross because the CO2 comes out of it. Yeah. Right. So you need to start and stop the flow at the point of dispense. Yeah. Most automated valves or solenoid valves are going to be in line. So there's going to be a chunk of line after and before the valve. So and that'll just stay there and get gross. It'll stay there and get gross. Yeah. yeah. So it's overnight. You're now going to get that much beer. That's why you always have to kind of pour off. On a traditional draft system, you would pour off a little bit sometimes. That has to do with temperature. Yeah. We won't even go down that Okay, path. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we, uh, we had to now invent the valve. So we invent the valve. But now, like, I, picked the, I pick up the phone. I'm like, who's going to make a cup with a hole in it? Like, I had to pick up the phone and call companies and ask them if they would make me a cup with a hole in it. Yeah. Like, do you know how awkward some of those conversations <laughs> are? They're like, what? Like, it's a prank call. Why, yeah, why yeah. do you need a cup with a hole, hole in it? How big like, is the hole? I had to fly. <laughs> I had to actually go fly places and be like, listen, I'm, this isn't insane. Like, I'm not full of shit. I, this, this is real. 
I, I really need these things to make this. And once they saw the videos and the concepts, like, holy shit, this is crazy. I'm, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll help. But um, nobody made the equipment to make the cups. So, like, we were trying to buy, we had to build all of our own stuff. Like, all of our, you should come by our shop sometime. The, oh, yeah, yeah. The, um, the manufacturing lines all made by us. Um, the everything, like, everything had to be invented. Mm. And it's still having to be invented because, you know, we're now so reaching you're capacity punch, you're limits. punching holes in traditional cups. Uh, no, we have a cup made for. I mean, yes, if you don't punch a hole in it, yeah, it uh, it would be just a regular old cup, but they're made specifically for us. They have a profile that fits the head, so they're they're born with a hole in them. You're not punching holes. <laughs> we, no, we do punch the hole in the plastic. Okay, okay, yeah, we have a machine that does it. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Tell me how these cups are born. Okay. Come, come watch how they're made. It's it's pretty neat. Josh, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back and we're gonna get into why you got in all that trouble. <laughs> okay, cool. Right. Stick around. Oh, yeah. We're running out of time. Oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Woo! Hey! Okay, I'm reloading. Yeah! Hey, some heads talking about me like, the new day is true rapper, though. He ain't hip hop. He ain't got no bars, bars. You know what I'm talking about? Hey! What, 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 what does that make me? What am I really, though? You know what I mean? Uh, they call me the bar breaker. You should kick me out the club. I'm a big bad wolf. I'm a Jameson thug. Hey! Welcome back to Heart of Brunch. I'm your host, Dyke Michaels. Guys, if you want to keep up with Heart of Brunch, um, you can always go to patreon.com backslash Heart of Brunch. Such good episodes. You're missing out. I'm telling you, you guys are missing out on hilarious episodes every oh week. Gosh. For, literally for the for if you buy three coffees if you if you say you know what I'm not gonna have three Starbucks I'm not gonna have three cups of Starbucks the money you save doing that you can have a year's worth a full entire year's worth <laughs> of Jake Johnson's boner dance is on there I'm, oh yeah 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 uh, I wouldn't call it a boner dance but like, well he yeah I'd call it a boner dance that's exactly what it was. But uh, you could find out what we're talking about. But you have to, you have to. Three, look, it's three dollars a month. That's all it is. Three dollars a month. Patreon dot com. Um, not only is it just bonus episodes, but you're going to get first access to a lot of events, a lot of cool stuff, a lot of sauce. You know what I'm talking what? about, Zach. <laughs> Um, that uh, was a great yes and, by the way, Zach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I was taking, I was he, taking it back. A he little looked bit. at me and blinked, which is great for which a podcast. Awesome. <laughs> Sometimes, as the producer, I'm confused by the list of things you're uh, promising the guests. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something you should take up with HR. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, also, look, if you're like, look, Dyke, we love Heart of Brunch, but I don't have $3. Uh, we'll give it to you. Make sure, make oh, no. make sure to like and subscribe. Subscribe. It doesn't work like that. To Heart of Brunch. <laughs> we'll stimulate our own internal economy. <laughs> that way you get it, whether you're listening or not, and that's very important to us. Peter Hines, you're in the background here. Are you subscribed to Heart of Brunch? You do it right now. Do I it. Am. Pull it. Pull, I'll pull out your phone and show me. He, he already is. Okay. Well, be a Patreon subscriber. <laughs> be better. Be a better human. This is my new tactic. I'm just bullying everyone I see. <laughs> Uh, we're back in studio with uh, Josh Springer. Josh, you were telling us um, lots of stuff. Lots. There's a lot of information to take in. Yeah. Uh, it was really fun. Uh, but 
I, I love like if this was like the story of your life, you start from like a bad point to a really a, a point of uh, inspiration yeah. and an upward uh, success. Yeah. How did you get to that bad point? Uh, my uh, my probation officer said I was the first person, or he tells people that he had somebody go from nothing the where where they were in trouble to being a millionaire while on probation as an inspiration story, a inspirational story, which I think is cool. Anything I can do, at least, you know. It's pretty unrealistic, though, too. <laughs> yeah, is it? I mean, yeah, I guess mine's a special case, you know. Yeah. Hey, guys, you could be a millionaire. Like, I, I'm a white guy that was helping manufacture steroids, which yeah. is a different, <laughs> different starting point than, you hey, know, kid. Lenny wow. slanging crack on the corner. Hey, kid, I know you just got three years for uh, selling drugs, but you could be become a millionaire within those uh, probation months. We call it the Springer plan. It's a spring up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a spring up. Harder, the, harder you fall, the higher you bounce, right? Fucking Springer methodology. There. Yeah, and sometimes you just splat. And, uh, <laughs> which looks like it's going to be the case for you because I've seen your IQ. <laughs> You're not going to make it, kid. <laughs> oh, okay, so you want to know what happened? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I decided... Um, that I wanted to propose to my now ex-wife. How old are, how old are you? I am 23, mm. I think, somewhere in there. Yeah. 23. And I like to do things big, over the top, grandiose. So I'm going to... Did you invent marriage? Mm. No. <laughs> I should be... Yeah, no. I should be in prison if I did that. <laughs> I um <laughs> I think you should be in prison either way. I haven't even heard the story yet. I just know that you got out of it because you're white. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I know white privilege well. I was like, that doesn't exist. And then I just look back on my life and I'm like, oh shit, it does. <laughs> the kid that became a millionaire on probation doesn't believe in white privilege. What? <laughs> so I'm trying to. So I'm gonna I'm gonna propose to her on Lovers Beach in Cabo San Lucas via a two week surprise vacation. So I'm already, I've always, I've always been a workaholic. I always like to hustle and I've always had like, I've always had my main job and then a side job and other side jobs. So I'm trying to save money in secret. So I'm doing all these side jobs and I'm not bringing any money home mm. and it's causing some tension in the relationship because I'm pretty sure she thinks I'm out fucking around on her. Right. Yeah. So I'm working on a side project and I was, do, so I used to be an electrician. I'm a sheet metal fabricator. Like I got skills. Right. And, um, I was working on a uh, sign. I used to be a sign guy. I was working on a sign project in my garage. My uncle calls me, and he's like, hey, Josh. He found out what I was trying to do, trying to be sweet. He's like, I'll pay you to come mow my lawn. And I'm like, nah. Because like, I knew two things about my uncle. One, tiny-ass lawn. Two, he's on disability, right? So how much is this guy going to pay me? So I just, I'm like, no, I appreciate the offer, but no. And he's like, I will give you $100 to come mow my lawn. And I'm like, I'll be right there. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I run into town, Moa's lawn, and um, he, he is now paying me a lot of money to do other side jobs, right? Like hang flat screen TVs, wire in hot tubs, hot, well, only one hot tub, uh, wire in the hot tub, remodel his bathroom. And uh, one day I'm there remodeling. Well, first I asked, I'm like, hey, what, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? I know you're on unemployment. Like, what is, you, you just bought two new vehicles like this is not yeah. you built a new garage like this is something's going he's like i'm making steroids i'm like fucking sweet that's cool like that's that's cool 
also can like, I have some? Like making? Yeah, ma- like yeah, making steroids. He's like Walter White in make steroids. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you yeah can't, okay. I didn't know you could make steroids. He's yeah. making steroids. Someone has to. Yeah, that's yeah. Somebody's got to make the steroids. So I'm there. I think I was working on his bathroom <laughs> at the time. He comes in, and he's like, "Hey, I really need your help with a shipment," and I'm like, and he looked concerned, like genuinely, like I don't know if there's like a steroid mafia or something, but. And his knees broken. Anyway, he's like, please help me with the shipment. And I said, no, again, because it's cool that he's making steroids, but sounds illegal. I don't want to be involved yeah. with that. Don't need to do it. You're making good choices. And he, I, I was until he said, I will pay you $400 for 30 minutes of your time. And I said, where are we going? Like, where are we going? Let's, let, yeah, fuck Turns yeah. Out Josh likes money. <laughs> I, well, it also, this all, it was getting easier and easier to save in secret. So it really helped with the, you know, saving money for the surprise vacation because I didn't, you know, making $400 in 30 minutes. Anyway, it was my job to count pills into bottles. That's all I had to do in this particular instance. And I couldn't, I have ADD so bad. Like I, I would get to 10 and I would be like, oh, I lost track of what I was counting to. And I'm like, hey, can I just like get one bottle full, weigh it, and then do the whole thing off weight? There it is. Yeah. And he's... <laughs> He's like, that's genius. <laughs> I'm like, are you? I don't know that that's genius necessarily. So, instantly had a job, right? Instantly had a job helping him manufacture steroids. Um, and uh, proposal time came around, pulled it off, went great. Um, I, I went, I went all out. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, anyway, I. I, I really regret it all in hindsight because I had to marry that particular person. But um, <laughs> no, she's great. If you listen to this, Sarah, you're wonderful. I'd love paying you every month. Um, I, <laughs> I do, I do. It brings me joy, you and your family. Okay. Uh, anyway, so now I come back and um, I'm not saving for a pr- surprise proposal, but I'm also helping. I'm saving to help with the wedding, right? Mm. Which is still expensive, but at least I don't have to do it in secret. And I'd help my uncle a handful more times. And I, um, he, he comes to me and he says, Hey, I will, I, I'd like you to work for me full time. I want to ramp this up a bit. Uh, I'll pay you $10,000 a month cash, but you have to quit your regular real job and work for me full time. And I had a pretty good job. Uh, I was, uh, um, a manager at a sign company running road crews, shop crews, you know, whatever. And I, uh, I said, no, you know, I'm like, nah, no, nah, I think it's time for me to go make some other mistakes in my life. And he, um, he found somebody else to help him and I was out. I was done. It was his intention, uh, to eventually open a bar. I am assuming this is me assuming now that he wanted to open a bar so he could launder all the cash that he'd made making steroids through the bar. Makes perfect sense. Well, I've seen Ozark. Yeah, exactly, right? So, and it's not a bad idea. So he bought the bar, and it's time to get out of the steroid business. So he, and I'm still friends with him. I'm helping him with the bar, and I'm still doing odd jobs for stupid amounts of money, because, you know, I I guess because I know all of the stuff that's going on. And he quits, he quits making steroids, working on the bar full time. I pick up a side job making a sign in my garage, my windowless garage. That's an important part of the story, my windowless garage. So I'm getting off work, coming in out of my garage at weird hours. My uncle has stopped making steroids. The problem is the feds are um, already watching him. So now they are looking for where the steroids are being made 
And I, who am in regular contact with my uncle, am coming in and out of my garage at weird hours. So mm. they start watching me, like with the yeah. like the with the, one the full intent, like yeah. the like I'm I'm where the steroid operation is. Right. Um, <clears throat> so the funniest part of this whole story is uh, I, I didn't I, I I didn't get to have I I had a great bachelor party. A lot of my friends couldn't make it. Right. Um, and. I was complaining about it to a, a guy I work with named Chris. And uh, Chris is like, don't worry about it, man. We'll come get you SWAT team style and take you on another bachelor party. And I didn't think anything of that because Chris collects SWAT team gear. <laughs> because Chris has aspirations of being a bounty hunter. <laughs> because Chris cannot pass the psych evaluation to become a police <laughs> officer. <laughs> and this is all no, no shit. Like, he has all the gear, right? So it makes sense that he's going to say this. And um, it was three days before my wedding. My uh, fiance says, I'm going to go out to the car. Or I'm going to run out to my mom's and do some stuff for the wedding, get the place ready for the wedding. Very early in the morning. It's like 5, 5.30 in the morning. And I didn't think anything of it. Uh, she leaves. She leaves the door ajar. She doesn't close it all the way. Uh, about five minutes later, a full, full SWAT team, 26 DE agents, comes rolling into my house. And they say, put your hands up. And I go... <laughs> Chris, you son of a bitch, right? Like, I'm like, no, and I wave them off. I'm like, nah, I wave them off. Big smile on my face. And they say, put your hands up now. And I waved them off again. And then they scream, put your fucking hands up now. And I go, well, if you're going to be that serious about it, still ear to ear grin, waving my hands around in the air like an idiot. And they say, come around the bed. So I'm like, I come around the bed and I get closer to them. I'm like, fuck, I don't recognize anybody. My friends must have hired actors. My friends must have hired actors. This is so great. Like, my friends are the best. And I get all the way up to him, and one of them slaps me in the face, and he says, keep smiling, asshole. And I said, is this for real? And he said, yeah. What the fuck did you think it was? I said, I thought it was my friends coming to get me for my bachelor party. And they hit the floor laughing. Like, they hit the floor laughing. They're, they're, one of them fell down my front steps. He was laughing so hard at what had just transpired. And I can hear my uh, ex, my now ex-wife, she's handcuffed in the back of the cop car screaming, you think this is fucking funny, motherfuckers? You got the wrong house. You got the wrong house. You think this is fucking funny? And I'm like, oh, fuck, they got the right house. You know, like, <laughs> they got the right house. I'm so sorry. Did you know at that point, like, it's, like there was a real fence. Yeah. So you were like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I know what this is about. Well, no, I could hear the radios going off. They hit, uh, so there was myself, uh, Ray, and Jeff Thompson were the three people. And th this was a global operation, and they picked our three names. We'll get to that part of the story. Um, anyway, so I hear the names on the radios because they hit all three of our houses simultaneously, so none of us would, like, if we were in mm -hmm. communication, be like, hey, you know what? And, yeah. Um, so, I've seen the Godfather. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> it was very coordinated. Did you make this story up? <laughs> <laughs> what? So I will say it is a it is a mind fuck to see a picture of yourself from like a telephoto lens. Oh god! You know what I mean? So they're showing me like all the pictures and like they know our schedules because uh, they're they're like, well, doesn't your wife have to go to work right now? And like, no, like, uh, just it was very felt very violated. Um, How long were there? How long were they watching? How long? I don't know. It, that picture, I think, was from a couple weeks prior. So a, a good while, you know. Um, what? What? So they searched the, the house looking for stuff. They didn't find anything but my personal stash of steroids. Um, <laughs> anyway, they. Uh, I'm getting all out of it. They, they, they essentially let me go, right? They, I had to go to county. I got booked. Um, 
Oh, yeah, this is a side note. Are you also actively taking steroids at this time? Are you like Jack Diesel? Yeah. When I'm, all this I'm is pretty going big, on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, <laughs> steroids are great. I, I highly recommend people do them. Um, <laughs> the, the, okay, we won't go get onto that. I, um, I come back from being, getting, you know, booked in county. And they had, uh, they had searched our house and they had taken the contents of the entire home the entire home and fit it in the bathroom. It was comical. You know, like in the cartoons where the cartoon character opens the closet door and the content spills out for like yes. a half an hour. It was like that. It was, it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, anyway, so they, they did that. That happens. Um, I, they, they essentially let me go. I had like $800 cash in the glove box in my truck to pay for the wedding vendors. They let me keep the cash. They let us keep our cars. They let us keep the way to house full of wedding presents. They let us keep all that. Everybody else, they took everything. They seized all of their property. Um, so I'm like getting away with this, like not getting, you know what I mean? Like it's, I'm not in trouble, not in that big of a deal. And it's steroids. Come on. It's not meth. Um, so I get married. That was really awkward, uh, you know, because, like, the only people that know about it were the people that were real close. And, like, if you go back through the wedding photos, you're like, man, she is pissed about something in these pictures. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Seems like something was hanging over the whole wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. And um, so I'm, I'm like, and I'm the eternal optimist. I'm always on the bright side of everything. So I'm like, ah, it's going to be fine. It's going to blow over. It's going to be great. And we're at... Uh, <laughs> We're at um, Seattle, at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, getting ready to fly out for the honeymoon that next Monday, very early in the morning. And up on the TV screens pops largest steroid bust in U.S. history, Operation Raw Deal. Arrested in correlation, Ray Ross, Jeff Thompson, and Josh Springer. I am on every headline. I, the story is in every headline from the East Coast to the West Coast. Um, it is on every news outlet. It is on ESPN. It is everywhere. And it's just going nuts. And I'm, I'm, I have to get on a plane to Bermuda. And this is back in the flip phone days. Like, you know, so I, I got lucky and got to go without cell phone reception in Bermuda for a week. And it all kind of blew over. So I thought, I come back. And I'm like, ah, the media got all of it, blew it out of proportion. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. About two weeks later, the media. You really thought the media blew it out of proportion? Well, it's a good story. Come on, Dave. Okay. Let me. The stories we tell ourselves. Okay. Come but on. you have two friends that did get arrested. I got arrested too. Everybody got arrested. Okay, but so everyone was out. I thought. I thought you were saying that they got arrested. You. You didn't. No, I got. Everybody got arrested. And then everybody was out. I think I spent the least amount of time in jail. Okay, I'm just making yeah. sure I'm following the story correctly. Yeah. No, that's fine. Um, a, a couple. Weeks go by, and I get a call from my attorney, and he's like, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta come to my office. It's not good." And I'm like, "That sounds bad." <laughs> and so I get into his office, and he slides a stack of paperwork across at me about an inch thick, and he's like, "They got you on a conspiracy charge. You're looking at five years in prison." And I'm like, "What?" Are you? He's like, "A conspiracy charge means that you knew, you didn't say anything. You're essentially as guilty." as the head of the operation. It was a, it was, it was the a conspiracy charge was, they were brought up around to take out the mob. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm like, screw you. You don't know what you're talking about. I was not, I'm, I'm certainly not as guilty as the lead, the ringleader of this thing. Uh, I'm going to get 
I'm going to take out a loan on my house and I'm going to buy the best attorney I can afford and I'm going to fight it. And he's like, best of luck to you, kid, and sends me out the door. I get out. I take a $26,000 mortgage out of my house. I send it all as a retainer to the best drug offense attorney I could find. I send him the paperwork. He calls me back a couple of days later and he says, they got you on a conspiracy charge. You are looking at five years in prison. <laughs> the same exact answer, right? Oh, man. Yeah. So um, he's like, all you can do is cooperate. And I'm like, fuck. I, anyway, so I, um, it actually it worked out great. And how this starts to tie into Bottoms Up is that um, I had the idea for Bottoms Up while this was going on, as I said earlier, right? Constantly being um, badgered for more information. I just really needed something to focus my attention on. I had the idea for Bottoms Up, and <clears throat> I worked for a sign company. Sorry, this is a little discombobulated. I worked for a sign company, and it was normal for me to run one of the road crews, and we would go around converting like Texaco stations to shell stations or vice versa, right? And we had just landed a huge contract doing shell stations all over the state. Um, but when I went down to be sentenced, I missed that whole part of the story. I went down to be sentenced, and uh, the prosecuting attorney, by the end of it all, I had gotten 45 letters of character being like, hey, just, you know, he's a good kid, just maybe not, maybe not so bright sometimes, you know? And I had, uh, the prosecuting, prosecuting attorney had actually written a letter to the judge saying, um, dumb kid, wrong place, wrong time, lowest person on the totem pole. Uh, he's been like not nonviolent crime. Yeah. Nonviolent drug offense. Yeah. And he said, um, <clears throat> you know, the kid, he's actually been through a lot. We could probably just let him go, you know? And the <laughs> judge, Johnny Houston says, uh, nah, we can't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, that, it felt like an eternity between that sentence and the next sentence of let's go with time served three months house arrest and three years probation. And I'm like, fuck yes. Th thank you. Like I was, I was ready to walk off to prison, you know, because yeah. I, mean? I would take you right then and there. Um, so I got to go home three months house arrest, three years probation, three months house arrest was the best thing that ever could have happened to me because my company had landed that contract doing those gas stations and I was a valuable enough employee that they weren't going to fire me. And I just stayed at the shop and was the shop manager for that three months. I, I would get off work and I would work on bottoms up from when I was off work till two in the morning. Mm. And I had a friend move from Oregon to come up and be my feet when I was stuck in the house on the weekend. And I mean, we, we, I, I went to, we raised our first money with, I had an ankle bracelet on. Um, we went to, <laughs> we, we filed all of our first IP stuff with an ankle bracelet on. Like it was super cool. Um, anyway, three months house arrest happens. I can't leave. I can't go anywhere. Um, and we're, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how we're going to fund this thing. And we decided we're going to break a Guinness world record for number of beers dispensed in a minute, but we couldn't afford to do that. So we got a hold of Red Hook Brewery in Woodenville, Washington, whose slogan is defy ordinary. And we're like, that's perfect. Maybe they'll do it as a stunt. So they would help pay for the dispenser. And we would do this stunt for them, and we would now have a working prototype of the commercial dispenser. Um, <clears throat> so we sold, you know, tried to sell them on that idea. And they, uh, they're like, yeah, let's, when our marketing director gets back in a week, come up and we'll, we'll go over it. The next day they call and they're like, hey, the, the whole Guinness World Record thing would be cool, but 
we had a movie night in our outdoor area last night and the beer line was 45 minutes long. It's like, talk about a logistics problem. You're at the brewery and it takes 45 minutes to get a beer. They're like, why don't you bring your magical contraption up and we'll do it. We'll just do it for the movie night. And we're like, yeah, that'd be great, but it would have to exist. Like it didn't exist. It was just that very first prototype and that's, that's it. So um, <clears throat> uh, we got that email saying, come up in a week for the next movie night. And we're like, you know, fuck, too bad we can't do that. And I was kind of decompressing to my uh, wife, Sarah. And she's like, well, could you do it? And I'm like, yeah, I'd have to take the week off work, but I think I could do it. So um, we agreed and we put all the bills for that week on a credit card. And we built, I built the, me and my friends worked 24 seven or 24 six and had a working prototype for the, for the event. Um, why I knew I had to do it was the day the event was happening was the day I got to cut my ankle bracelet off. So I cut my ankle bracelet off. Um, we did that event and I put in my two weeks notice and been doing bottoms up ever You're since. You're free. Yeah. Wow. What a metaphorical cut. Free at last. <laughs> free at last. Free at last. Oh my God. Josh Springer, thank you so much for being on the program today. Yeah. Thanks for having that me. That was amazing. Time. Great. That time oh, we flew fucking by, nailed yeah. the time. Uh, where can people find you and follow you on social media? Um, I'm uh, at the Josh Springer on everything. So that the Josh Springer, look me up on Instagram. I'm the shit. And you're going to be partaking in uh, Indies Indies Funniest Comic? Yeah, I'll be comic. at the Indies Funniest uh, Comic at Helium. Come check me out on the 21st. I'll be there. I'm at Crackers pretty regularly. Just check their calendar. And uh, yeah, he's loving chicken grease. Thanks. Daddy is Jake. Check me out uh, at Thad McKee for Instagram, baby. What, wait, what's your follow? What are, what are these people? What will they become once they do that? Oh, we were talking off air. Yeah. And I... Uh, you call them Thadnecks, which is <laughs> gross. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. Thad boys. Thad boys. What you gonna do? Sauce Lord? Uh, I'll go ahead and plug our Patreon. www.patreon.com backslash Harder Brunch. Just $3. Yeah. And you can find me uh, at Doug Michaels on all social media. Or my dog eating a White Claw can. You know. As is tradition. That's what's happened. Guys, uh, stick around. We have an amazing white guest uh, for the <laughs> After Brunch podcast. His name's Peter Hines, and it's he's, part of his identity. He's, so He's white. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of opinions about it. He's going <laughs> to want to talk about it at length. Only $3. <laughs> we'll see you next time.